0: Hello from Austin, and welcome to episode 18 of the National Security Law Podcast, brought to you by the Strauss Center at the University of Texas. Today is Monday, May 15th, in the evening, and I'm Bobby Chesney. And I'm Steve Loddick and Bobby, I want to cry. <laughs> I, I, I want to crypt. It's, uh, it's been a busy day, and we thought <sighs> that uh, we just couldn't wait. Until tomorrow? Yeah, Let's although start I will diving think, into the week's news. So it's
1: funny. At the end of last week's episode, we joked about whether we would need an emergency episode between last week's emergency episode and our, our regularly scheduled episode for I this like week.
0: We're, we're close enough to the, to the next one. We probably would have done it uh, Tuesday anyways. Um,
1: that's probably true, but I guess our, our students who are waiting for us to grade their counterterrorism law exams right now— let me just – I'll give him an update, right, if you're scoring at home. Yes. Uh, Bobby has completed his grading, I can say. Thank you. Uh, and Steve is halfway through his. So <laughs> I anticipate that barring further national security crises between now and, let's say, the end of the day tomorrow, Bobby, right, we'll have those grades up soon. So it'll be a few days. <laughs> so, Bobby, why are we – I mean, it's it's nine ten. Central time, Monday night. What the heck are we doing in my office? You
0: know, we obviously don't have hobbies. The Spurs are not playing tonight. Celtics and Wizards are in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I have trouble getting excited about that, even though I know I should. Oh, I I have to root against the Wizards. Yeah. Just on principle, like cause I mean, the, I lived in DC the, for nine years. They've I have caused, they've caused you enough pain. Just DC sports in general. I will say, I th- I think the the name I still bristle at the name and the idea that they Indeed. couldn't be the bullets. Indeed. And I honestly think that just go ahead and change it back, guys, and you'll you'll finally have some uh, return to West unselled glory days. Yes, it's the name that's keeping them down. That's among other things. <laughs> so so Bobby, why why are we here? Well, we we've got some uh, White House uh, shenanigans going on. Breaking news. We need like if we had music, we might have a breaking news alert. Did it oh. did. It- is this the time to mention? There is music. It's on the horizon. Coming. Yeah, we just haven't had time to <laughs> figure out
1: how to stream it in yet. Listen, if our, if we recorded on normal schedule this week, I actually had built in the timing. Yep, but when at like 7.30, we're both like, we should record tonight. Exactly. It didn't quite work out that way. We'll have it next time. Yes. Something to look forward to. Indeed. All, All right. right, so what do we have to talk about? So... Bobby, there's a story that broke this afternoon in wide circulation. I think it was the Washington Post that had it first. Yeah, Greg Miller uh, Greg Miller and Greg Jeffy. I think that's right. And this goes back to uh, a meeting in the White House last week. I actually, I, I sent a tweet about this last week that I really did not think would go viral, Bobby. It went viral, where there's a meeting in the Oval Office with, I think it's Trump, uh, Lavrov, right, the foreign minister of the Russian Federation, and Ambassador Kislyak. And the only media present was a Russian photographer um, which leads to this fantastic front page New York Times picture, where you have the picture of Trump and, um, and the, the Russians in the Oval Office, and the photo caption says, uh, the picture comes from Russia because American journals were banned, and the photo credit above the fold on the front page of the New York Times is the Russian Foreign Ministry.
0: Oh wow so that that that, that was a fun tweet the optics of that are are awful but but
1: apparently it's not just the optics of that meeting that were awful bobby apparently (laughs) the content of that meeting is also now a national security crisis and
0: and somewhat contested and and the stakes here and the significance are are very. so
1: bobby why don't you make clear to everybody i'm sure that they know by now other than your mom who i gather doesn't always read the news before she listens to the podcast that's right hi mom Um, happy mother's day um, indeed happy mother's day everybody Um, (laughs) Other than your mom, Bobby, um, let's remind everybody what the actual
0: apparent story is. So according to the Post, at some point in the discussions, President Trump... Uh, was, was uh, I think the word is bragging, it was bragging about the uh, quality of the President intelligence. President Trump
1: was bragging? I know,
0: I know. Buckle up. I already so, find the story hard to believe. fake news. So he was bragging about the quality of intelligence he gets and was discussing, uh, r- reportedly, uh, information relating to the recent news that we're going to expand the ban on laptops on U.S.-bound flights to include flights coming in from Europe, which is, of course, a big bummer for, for a lot of travelers, and talking about the nature of the underlying threat. And the article goes on to talk about how, look, this is this is ISIS-related, and it apparently pertains to information that a foreign liaison service provided to us involving a particular Person or source in a particular location in Syria. And it's clear that it's Syria. Actually, I'm not sure about that. So so I thought from from the story I,
1: I thought from the story that it was somewhat ambiguous where the asset at issue was, but that for for whatever reason, the post reporters were fairly confident that the disclosure by President Trump would have identified to the Russians could have. I could, don't think sorry. they said it would oh, have. Could have identified yeah. to the Russians the the mm-hmm. which country's asset it was, or
0: at least it would. Yeah, so it would be a clue that might help in some way or fashion a hostile intelligence service that is the Russians, right? Uh, whose photographer's in the room. Uh,
1: <laughs> Photographer, I put
0: in quotation marks. There you marks. go. Uh, so the photographer's in there. Please you... speak into my, into my camera. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this here on the podium. <laughs> Don't pay no attention. Anyways. Uh, enough... but, but, but,
1: but, but, right, so, so let's just say for hypothetical purposes, we have no reason to know this is true. Let's just say that for whatever reason, what Trump told the Russians somehow outed, let's say, a Turkish intelligence Operation.
0: Okay, so look, I, I think it's important to be really clear and precise on this. So the worst case scenario would be anyone, Trump or otherwise, um, you know, blurting out the, the particular source or method right. of, of an important source or indeed any, any uh, intelligence source. That's, and, that's and, and the exa- national,
1: and national Security Advisor, right, General McMaster, issued a, a very carefully worded well, statement. Well, let's get to that. Let's, let's not get to yeah. that yet.
0: Uh, just to pin down precisely what the report is I'm claiming was done here. I know you are. Um It it is not claimed that Trump revealed a source or method. What's claimed is he talked about information gleaned from some source that, according to the the way it was put in the report, this is a clue. And, And it was alarming enough as a clue to where White House staff felt the need to quickly notify the CIA and NSA directors to take appropriate action to try to contain any damage involved here. Which is presumably how we now have heard about it. Yeah right. There's a number of unnamed intelligence sources again showing you the wages of of constantly well and
1: and and the over under on when Trump starts tweeting about leaks coming from the intelligence community.
0: Well yeah right. Obviously he's going to be upset but, about right. that. But so the so okay, the so, of the so, the, so you can look at this two ways. One the worst possible way is he came in there and dropped a huge clue that is tantamount to revealing a critical source and method, terribly damaging. Um, the best case scenario is he said something that he shouldn't have, but really doesn't. Expose the source of method. Right, it gets like, in the ballpark, right, but it but doesn't.
1: You need like fourteen more pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, before. it's just a tile in the mosaic, sure. right? So and
0: and that then people are over overblowing how bad it. Is. And we don't know which one it
1: is, right? But
0: either way, big boo boo. No, look, he, you shouldn't do this. And, and as the <laughs> as an unnamed source in the post story said, it bespeaks a lack of attention to the the importance and seriousness of these matters, yeah, and, and failure to take due care. No right. question about that. And so we're. Dear, dear listeners, we are on the same page here, Steve and I, that this was, uh, at, at best, a terrible mistake. At best, a terrible mistake. All right. So, so Bobby, I want to
1: get to the legal and policy implications. But first, let's start with the reaction, right? So um, we have three, I think, different statements from the White House about the matter, Right, one from Dina Powell, who's a deputy at the National Security Council, one from the National Security Advisor himself, General McMaster, and one, I think, from the press
0: office. Is that right? I'm not positive where the third one's from.
1: Um, but right, that there were three different statements. Right. Um, What struck you, especially about Mm -hmm. McMaster's? Okay, so
0: McMaster's the one that matters the most to me um, because I put a lot of stock in in his credibility. (laughs) As opposed to everybody else in the White House No, 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 some others as well. I mean, it's Uh,
1: true the president did just tweet last week that we can't always trust the people who speak on his behalf to be
0: accurate. Well, This creates credibility problems. Uh, General McMaster said the story, and I'm quoting here, comma, as reported. As reported? The story, as reported. is not accurate, which raises some interesting questions, right? So that, <laughs> so that is, right it is it is it is striking <laughs> it is a striking caveat suggesting. Uh, let's take him at his word. It suggests that uh, General McMaster's view is that at least some significant aspect of the story, perhaps perhaps the particular uh, points of emphasis or the uh, the inferences that the reporters drew in the story or the inferences that the unnamed intelligence sources uh, were drawing or the characterizations they offered, some aspects of this doesn't square with what he saw. And well, let's be clear, he was in the room. Um, I credit what he says. What's interesting to me is to then ask, okay, what is it about this story that can remain true, consistent with his perception of what went on?
1: Well, and also, I mean, to me, what stands out about the McMaster statement is two pieces, right? One, the as-reported line, right? So that seems like we're splitting some words there, right? But the other, Bobby, is by focusing so specifically on the revelation of sources and methods, there is a whole lot of classified information that is not Right, so explain,
0: explain that, that, that McMaster also, as he elaborated his right. his critique of— So the he went out of
1: his way to say that, that nothing the president said—I'm paraphrasing here, but, right. but correct me if I get any a bit wrong— yeah. that nothing the president said revealed to, to anyone in the room uh, the existence or identity of particular intelligence, sources, or methods. Right, so
0: unpack that. What does that leave open?
1: Um, a lot. I mean, right, so, so intelligence, sources, or methods, that would be the identity of particular individuals on the ground in particular places.
0: Or it could be technical means.
1: Or it could be technical means, right, That's and methods, right, you know, we have a particular technological capability that you did not know we had, right? Um, there is so much short of that that is c- properly classified in the name of national security. Um, analysis is classified, right, um, you know, factual information that has been relayed through multiple sources where you're not revealing the identity of the source, but rather the underlying substantive
0: intelligence information. Which sounds a lot—I mean, if we take McMaster at his words, I think we should. I think what we've got here is a situation where President Trump uh, blurted out sort of extemporaneously just— kind of caught up in the moment right he starts blurting out some particular facts that are that are actually derived from a sensitive source mm-hmm. and and sheerly identifying the location uh, you know apparently a location was mentioned and the idea is that's a big clue right. and what none of us are in a position to judge from the outside is, is how big a big. clue right and it could be like Wh- i mean so big this is tantamount to a full blown exposure but bobby the the intelligence community itself might not be in a
1: position to tell how big a clue it is because they might not be privy to what other pieces of that's the puzzle the point. russians already have it's a mosaic and and, of course,
0: we don't know what pieces they've got. All
1: right. Um, two more points I want to make about McMaster's statement and the other statements before we turn to the law, right? Yeah. So point number one, I don't remember if it was McMaster or one of the other statements, but the White House has been insisting all afternoon that there's nothing to see here, that the information was completely benign um, and and just not a big deal. Bobby, if that's true, then why would the White House have spent all afternoon arguing for and apparently successfully convincing the Washington Post to not reveal the substance, right? So yeah. so the Post goes out of its way to
0: say, we know what Trump said, and we are not reporting it. Right. That's, we- a, that's a very strong clue that this was, in fact, significant. Now, I suppose, and I don't know from how they phrased it, if we can tell this, it's possible that what they're saying, actually, what actually happened was the White House asked them not to run the story at all because because of the political damage it obviously is inflicting. I mean, look at us sitting here talking about it. Um, well, if we're talking about it. Which just shows you that it's really penetrated pretty widely if it's gotten to our desk. Come on um, Austin. It, it's possible that they put pressure on them. Don't run the story. This is a BS story. You're making a mountain of a molehill, et cetera. And that they chose to frame a certain way, but I don't really buy that myself. I, that doesn't ring very yeah, true I, I
1: here. Listeners may have heard my eye roll, right? Yeah, just yeah. there. All um, oh, right,
0: and it's a shared eye roll. I don't. I don't. I'm just saying that's no, probably no, it, it what they're framing. It would seems be.
1: quite clear to me. One that the post has something very serious, right? How serious right. to be determined because we, based on what we just said, and two that the White House knows it's serious, um, and that this is all sort
0: of. Closing the barn door after at right. least some of the animals have escaped. Right. And we should something we haven't said so far, but we talked about it earlier as we we're getting ready to do this, and I think it's terribly important. There's there's uh both the details of what might have been exposed here, but then there's the larger damage to the to the broad and terribly important category of liaison relationships. So that was gonna be my second point. So I said ah. there were two more things I want to talk about. So good go. segue.
1: Yes. The check is in the mail. Tell us more. Um No, right so so my concern is that um If you are a foreign intelligence agency debating whether to share a particular piece of hot, actionable intelligence with the United States, and you're especially concerned, Bobby, for whatever reason, about that intelligence not being shared with, oh, I don't know, the The Russians.
0: Oh, I thought you meant the president. Well –
1: I'm not sure that distinction means that much anymore in this context. See, I, think, I think that's a slightly overstated. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 I mean, the problem is not what's true. The problem is what's perceived, right? And yep. so if you are – imagine, crazy hypothetical, right? Imagine the Saudi intelligence service has an incredibly well-placed asset, um, high in the Ukrainian government, hmm. right? That might be of
0: interest, to the Russians. No doubt. Uh, now, so okay. So, what I think is anything at that level of sensitivity and, and obvious care for the Russians, I think probably is already being held back. And I'm not sure this particular Held back from the from Russians us. or from, no, from, no, from us?
1: No, no, I know. But imagine that. But now imagine a scenario where, where it is, for whatever reason, enormously important either to the Saudis or to us to share that piece of information with us. I have to think. That it will now enter into the conversation, if it had not already, the risk that the information will go directly from the U.S. government to the president to somebody who's not supposed to have it.
0: So I, I, I see it slightly differently, although I share the general concern. I think the problem is it's not that someone thinks, man, the, Trump's going to tell the Russians. <laughs> that The idea that like there's some other way in which He'd this never is going to be a that. recurring occurrence. Uh, not at all. He doesn't know any Russians. <laughs> Who's never talked to the Russians. I think that there's very little chance that that's what this portends. What it portends instead, what it signifies, is he's just careless. He's just careless in information that might be of interest at Mar-a-Lago over the shrimp scanty. Suddenly, no, no, the two scoops of ice cream. Oh, is that what it is? Yep, only for him, though. Um, It just gets blurted out. Now, I think to some extent that that cost is already factored into the stock price on him but i think it just got a little just got worse a, i think it just got a lot higher i think i think the stock price just went up i, I think it depends on how this story evolves well in the and indeed
1: ahead. and then the question bobby is whether our own intelligence officers are now going to be raising their own price right that is to say our members of our own intelligence community who must be horrified oh yeah at what transpired no matter how serious it was are they now going to censor even more in what they provide to the president which to me, Bobby, is actually the beginning of a constitutional crisis, right? The beginning. I'm not saying I'm not saying the tanks are rolling and the weird movies from the 70s are on TV, <laughs> right? My point is just that, like. This doesn't end well, no matter how it ends, right? The the breakdown in trust, whether between a foreign intelligence agency and our intelligence community, or our intelligence community and the White House, serves nobody's interests.
0: No, no doubt. I think that points severely overdetermined in this context. <laughs> now, this leads to something I think we do disagree with. You keep about.
1: saying that about things I say on the sh- on our <laughs> podcast. It's
0: severely overdetermined. If the, if the shoe fits. So, um, you, you mentioned league. the phrase constitutional crisis here, and, although you quickly walked it back. Um, <laughs> I, my, in my view, the Comey situation is a more serious situation ah. than this. This is bad, but I think the Comey firing is in many ways worse and portends worse things. So
1: I, wa- I actually do want to get to the Comey firing because I think we both have some more things to say with, you know, six days of hindsight after or five days or however – has it been five days? Five hours. Five hours. Gosh. Just a week ago that Sally Yates testified. All right, um, but before we leave the the leak, which I suspect we also might come back to. Oh yeah, the law, the law. Right, we haven't talked about the law. Um, so there there's a meme going around on on Twitter that this is all very bad and troubling, but that because the president has um, the word someone used was ultimate classification authority. I'm going to go with the the statutory term, which is original classification authority, um, that the president can decide to whom he is
0: going to share information that's classified. Bobby, I think that's a bit too easy and simple. Well, the most problematic thing about that is it it conflates the question of, is it legal for him to say these words, or put it more directly, is it a crime to to say something that's too much right. to these guests in the Oval Office? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the question of was this a terrible thing to have done from a policy perspective? So, so, so let's assume for the sake of this conversation
1: that it was a terrible, stupid, myopic, insanely dumb thing to do. From let's a policy say he perspective. actually named named a source. Right. Well, so no. So if you so if you go there, I have a statute for you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, but hey, but, 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 but
0: no. But then you run into the classification question: whether the president has the authority to.
1: So I'm not sure that's. True right, right? Because not all of the statutes are equal, okay? So, for example, the Espionage Act, right, which we've talked about mm-hmm. before on our podcast, does not actually say it's a crime to disseminate classified information such that if the president, sure. while he's disseminating it, is unclassifying information it.
0: information important to right, the national defense. Attack. Right.
1: Um, that's still true, whether the
0: president has declassified it or not. Functionally sure. or not. So so you're saying if there's a problem with that heading, you could have a, a bit of a commander-in-chief override type scenario if the president claims as president, uh, citing Department of Navy v. Egan. Ah, uh, that is, old chestnut. Yes, indeed. Well, chestnut for a reason.
1: But 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 take another statute enacted after Egan, right? The Intelligence Identities Protection Act, right? Where it's a specific crime specifically to reveal the identity of an intelligence asset, Um that might be closer. Now, let, let's be clear. Sure. Right. No federal prosecutor is convening a grand jury tomorrow to talk about yeah. indicting the president,
0: right? right. I mean, but— in And, so- indeed, none of the allegations suggest that he's done any of these things. Well, I don't know. Uh, the discussion we had a moment ago suggested that, it. you know, most likely what's going on here is he's— He's revealed the fruits of intelligence that was shared by some
1: I'd love love to, I mean, listen, if we're going to talk about Hillary's emails as a 793D violation. Well, you didn't hear me arguing that. I know, but I'm just saying, like, you know, 793D, as we've talked about in the podcast, Bobby, is pretty capacious. All right, so let's bring it back around. But leaving that aside, right, uh, the point, I think, is is a different one, which is there are already members of the House, right, who are making lists of all of the high crimes and misdemeanors for which they might, you know, eventually –
0: seek to impeach President Trump, um, this may go on the list. Oh, I, I don't doubt that uh, for those who are imagining that we're going to get to impeachment, and you know, maybe we will, um, obviously not there impeachment, yet. Impeachment, yes, not removal. That's my that's my well, prediction.
1: You know, th- Sometime th- after the 2018... I was, gonna, numbers, I was
0: about to say, uh, what makes you think Paul Ryan is going to move articles of impeachment? All, but, right. but after 2018... After, when, the, when the Democrats retake the House, they're the Republicans gonna, hold the Senate. And, and I'm not sure it matters a lot what's
1: on the actual list of things he did. <laughs> that's probably right. But, but my point is, right, I mean... We should not become desensitized, and we should not become normalized to what it means to long-standing norms and traditions and legal constructs in
0: our space. Right. But now you're now you're making my point, which is simply Uh-oh. that even if it's true, as you were pointing out, some are, are quick to say, like he's he can decide what he wants to say. The president does it; it can't be illegal. And suddenly, so, <laughs> even not if that's true. even if it's true in this space. <laughs> And it's not. It doesn't change the fact that the ultimate complaint right, here is political. Is a, is a grave disregard for the importance of classified information of a particularly sensitive kind.
1: And if nothing else, it also, I think, undermines his future efforts, perhaps starting as early as early tomorrow morning, to um, get on leakers, right? Because if, what? Well, oh, that's the, true, He
0: has wrong footed himself right, the really pres- badly. The president
1: on that. is now the leaker in
0: chief. Oh,
1: the LIC, and I think
0: we now have a title for this episode. The leaker in chief. I don't know. I feel like WannaCry has got to get in there somehow.
1: Um, wanna cry the about the, w- wanna cry, cry about the leader in chief. <laughs> um, all right, so oh so gosh. let's let's pivot if we can to to what you just described
0: as the larger constitutional <laughs> crisis currently. <laughs> before. Well, and again, in keeping with my prior claim last week, yeah. we're we're not at constitutional crisis on the FBI issue. Just yet. And not yet. It, it remains to be seen what the president's going to try to put through. But let's talk about what we've learned since last we gathered, right? Okay. So um, I think the, the big developments, Bobby,
1: since last we gathered have been just further clarity um, thanks to President Trump's, shall I say, Ill-conceived interview with Lester Holt. Hmm. Um, they're Steve. They're all ill-conceived. Well, but this one. I mean, this. You know, in the annals of presidents throwing their entire administration under the proverbial bus. <laughs> I mean, this interview <laughs> has to go. high. I mean, so so. Let's just be clear, right? I mean, in his in his exclusive interview with Lester Holt, President Trump literally came out and said that he fired Comey because of quote Russia unquote. Wait, so yeah, he said, and he said the
0: poor Ron poor Rod Rosenstein.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I should apologize. We, we, we mispronounced Rod's name last Dine. week. It is yeah. dying. All right. Sorry, Rod. Um, well – Although right now, Rod, you have bigger problems.
0: Indeed. And Now, uh, should we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, so
1: But so what I want to say is so, – so the part of why I think that's – so that's a big story to me, Bobby, for two different reasons. One is Trump's statement, which, by the way, I think we all – Already need to be true,
0: right? No, the, 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 this is this is gambling in Casablanca. That's right. I'm shocked. There's gambling going on
1: in here. Shocked. shocked. Um, but but Bobby, so not only it, it first completely undermines what Sean Spicer said to the press for three days, right? What Sarah Huckabee Sanders said to the press for three days? What Vice President Pence? Said to the press. I know. It's not the first time the vice president's been jerked around in this way. But but there's a credibility problem here, right? And the credibility problem is created from, you know, I mean, it's going to be very hard, starting with the story about today's leak, right? right, to take seriously what anyone other than Trump is saying, except maybe McMaster until he gets thrown under the bus, which, by the way, by this time tomorrow, yeah. Could happen. We'll see. All right, so that's the first thing. The second is Rod, right? So so the real thing that the Lester Holt interview did for me, Bobby, and I'm curious if it was for you, was it completely threw out what we had posited on our emergency podcast last week, which is that Rod had just written a, a good faith memo. You were more skeptical than I was, to be sure. Yeah,
0: yeah I was going to say I don't, I don't associate myself okay. with that because I felt like it was it was obvious from the face of the document itself. It is now a reasonable clearly a person to see now, how it would be and it is now, so, so, so I was wrong. Right? I will confess. I will eat crow. Bobby was right. <laughs> I was wrong. Um, yes. End the podcast series right there.
1: Well. 1-0 or 1-15. in Kind of like the Warriors. Uh, oh. <laughs> we'll get to that smart we guy. We will get to that smart guy. All right. Um so, so Bobby, talk about what the Trump interview does for your perception of Rod Rosenstein, and for sort of the broader question of what happens now.
0: Well, it, it, as I said a moment ago, it reinforces my sense that it was clear where this was going, why it was going there, and what was really happening all along. And it uh, it can only be the case that Rod you know, convinced himself otherwise. We all engage in motivated reasoning, especially under pressure. I think that's especially gotta- when grading. Well, yeah, indeed, um, I think that's probably what happened to Rod here. I continue to think he's, he's a good person who uh, made some pretty terrible judgments. Let's point out that's that's true of Jim Comey as well, right? I mean, his decisions with the emails uh, are probably best described in retrospect as a good person who got into a pickle and made some terrible decisions. But I don't wanna open up the Comey email thing. Yeah. I just wanna say that I don't think this shows you that, aha, Rod Rosenstein is in fact a terrible person. No, 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 no. Not at all. I think he made terrible decisions. But if I were him at this point, I'd be thinking about either I need to cut ties with this situation, or I should appoint a special a special prosecutor to show that in fact this is independent. Uh, the idea that you should just kind of carry on, let's just see how this goes. right? I mean, again, it's easy for me to say I, I don't have any you know, real cost in this. Uh, his, his whole livelihood and career and reputation is bound up in it. And, and, I and, imagine it's, and it's
1: possible that Rod thinks that if he appoints a special counsel, he'll be fired, right, and that he can do more good not being fired. Well, so
0: you just put your finger on what I think so many people uh, who are kind of putting up with some of the nonsense from within are, are thinking. And, and when you think about it systematically – it's very good for all of us that there are a lot of well-intentioned people who are willing to put up some nonsense in hopes of doing good until they all get fired. It, well, until they all get fired or if they actually do some good. Right. And so it could be that over time we'll find that So we're did Rod do good? I mean that, that's the problem, right? Is that is that from the outside? Well, no, he he missed it. his chance to do good was here and he and he did not do it.
1: Well, so so this is so what I the other thing that we learned since after we recorded our last podcast is that apparently Um, Rosenstein threatened to resign. This is what the Washington Post reported. Now, Rod later denied this, but this actually
0: has a kernel of truth to me. There there was a separate piece that made it sound like it was a, I can't work here under these conditions, which is slightly different. That's fine. Whatever
1: the threat was, something happened. To convince the White House to change the narrative even before Trump sat down for the interview with Lester Holt. Yeah. And the and the narrative changed subtly, Bobby, until Trump drove a truck through the subtleness.
0: Because <laughs> he doesn't care about right. the reputations but, of the people working for him. But
1: but it changed subtly at first in a way that shifted from we did it because Rod recommended it.
0: Oh yeah, you're right. They walked it back and it looks like maybe it was because he complained. Right. But so, that doesn't it didn't cut any ice.
1: No, and this is what I'm trying to say, right? Which is listen, you know, Rod, I know you're not listening, right? But at this point, I mean what Ben Wittis wrote over the weekend, I think is right, right? Which is he's gotta do something clearer to assert his and the Justice Department's independence. And there are two options,
0: appoint a special counsel or resign. Ben well, said do one, it, then it, do the other. Okay, so yeah, so I and I, as you know, I don't I don't think he needs to resign. I Nor think I. he can appoint the special prosecutor. But I also think there is a third option and it's not crazy to, to think about, which is stay in position, be the person in charge of this investigation and run it, yeah. and do it well, and follow it where the facts lead, do do what Jim would have done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, that will depend to some degree, Bobby, on what is obviously now the next act, which is who gets nominated Bingo. to succeed Jim Comey. If it's someone who... So so, I think the critical moment for Rod has not yet passed. That's right. right. That, that the put-up-or-shut-up moment is once Comey's successor is confirmed and Rosenstein is in a position to assess the independence and integrity of that individual in that office.
0: Yeah. And if he feels like, look, this whole thing is going to get uh, buried, then he should get out. Right.
1: I think that's right. Um, so, we, did, I, we did, I, I promise you that we wouldn't run down the entire list of nominees because we didn't want to do that much research. We're too lazy. Um, <laughs> it's evening. I, I just want to put it and in, You know, I,
0: I got to point out here, my, my St. Arnold's uh, fancy lawnmower uh, summer brew is starting to Run short, so we're going to pick up the pace here. Well, okay. Uh, or get you more beer. <laughs> That's right.
1: Um, so I just want to say one word about one, – so one of the things being thrown out there is former Congressman Mike Rogers. Bob, you may not remember uh, uh, Mike Rogers and my famous run-in from oh, 2013. Oh, I, I do,
0: yeah. It was, was it C-SPAN? Or was um, it, uh, oh, it was better than C-SPAN. Was it, it was John Stewart? It, it was the Colbert Report. <laughs> <laughs> News. Some kind of much watched T V show like C span So
1: so so I, I had the the privilege or or pain, depending on one's perspective, of testifying at this open hearing of the House Intelligence Committee in October twenty thirteen after Snowden, right? And it was like is the phone records program legal or not? Um, And it was the second panel. The first panel was four government witnesses, like Clapper and Bob Litt, all like, of course, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. The second panel was, I was the third witness, I think Stuart Baker was one of the witnesses, I think Paul Rosenzweig was the other, right? So I was uh, – it's like, which one of these is not like the others?
0: I would like to – I will go see this.
1: Um, anyway, so, so we're getting to the end of the, of the afternoon, and Mike Rogers, who at the time was the chair of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, is getting a little testy. Oh, we should make sure listeners know this is not the same Mike Rogers who is currently – Right, director of the NSA. Right. Um, different Mike Rogers. Um, so what, what happened? Former FBI agent Mike Rogers. So um, Rogers tries to get us all to say that the phone records program was legal – Right? And, of course, the first two witnesses say, yeah, sure, totally fine. And I say, well, it depends. Um, Rogers then misquotes Truman um, and says, well, you know what Ronald Reagan always said about why he wanted a one-armed economist. Right? <laughs> so he couldn't say on the one hand, on the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> and so I sort of glared you know, sort of him a little. So he said, I don't understand why no one's complained about this program over the last 10 years. Because no one knew. Uh, so I, I looked around. I was like, am I, the, am, am I the only person who understands how stupid a question that is? I said, well, Mr. Chairman, how can anyone complain about it? Nobody knew. And he looks at me, like perplexed that I had dared to respond to his non-question question, and said, well, obviously your right to privacy isn't violated if you don't know about it.
0: Ooh, yeah. I don't this is the that chair of the House Intelligence
1: it. Committee. So suffice it to say, Stephen Colbert had some fun with that. Um, the link is actually easy to find. It's uh, just look for the. It's it's a uh, it's part of the word. Remember that episode, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So look for see no evil. Um,
0: I, I, I gotta say I am jealous. I've I've never had any of these. Uh, high – you know, high visibility Colbert. This wasn't by design. Like, I, I was
1: watching Thursday night football. It was like a terrible, like Dolphins Browns Thursday Ouch. night football game. Oh, that's
0: the worst thing you've said all this whole series. I know.
1: <laughs> and it's like it's like eleven thirty four, right, Eastern Time. I'm sitting on my couch, and all of a sudden, my phone just explodes. It's like, are you watching Colbert? All right, like so, why would I be watching Colbert? We're not going to be watching the Cleveland Browns. Exactly. Right. If my friend Rakesh is listening, Rakesh, that's for you. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that said, the Cavaliers guy? That's the Cavaliers right, guy. Good job.
0: They're, they're doing well.
1: <laughs> so so, But th- this is not about me. This is about Mike Rogers, right? The guy who is on the shortlist to be FBI director is someone who thinks that your right to privacy is not violated. If you don't know about it, Bobby, that cannot be the kind of person we want to succeed Jim Comey.
0: Well, I will. I, okay, so I don't know a ton about, about Rogers. I, I do know that he was in the FBI, and that is something. I, I think that the list contains a uh, wide spectrum of of possibilities here. And we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I think we've learned that when Donald Trump says he's got a list of 10 or 12 people and he wants you to spend some time talking and thinking about that, you're playing his game. That's right. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But I... I uh, Just
1: consider me a preemptive no on Mike Rogers. Yeah, I'll consider that a peremptory strike on that if you get one. <laughs> All
0: right. Um, we'll hopefully have something to say about that 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 next yeah, week. Yeah, I gather we might hear by the time he goes out of town on Friday and we'll see. Because,
1: you know, Bobby, choosing a new FBI director is something you should do in a hurry.
0: Well, you know, it's, it, part of what's upsetting about the whole deal is if you're, if you're going to remove Comey and you've wanted to for a long time. Why not get a backup plan in place? Why not go ahead and decide, you know, and have that? Surely you're not suggesting that they don't
1: have a well-coordinated strategy in the White House, that Bobby Chesney. That is not what I'm suggesting. No. It's
0: what I'm asserting. <laughs>
1: um, so one last thing on, on sort of the White House before we pivot to the, what, what really was the big story right? Want to yeah. cry? Um, the Washington Post also had a fantastic little piece that I think is going to get totally run off the headlines and, and no one's going to pay attention to because of the bigger story. Um, so apparently, a rep- uh, uh, one, bo- Trump's bodyguard, whose name I don't remember, um, yeah. uh, leaked unintentionally General Mattis's cell phone number. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, How'd do he do that? So, so you know the OPSEC at the White House is apparently on lock. Um, Right. (laughs) OpSec, by the way, operational security, like it's a way of making sure that you're not, you know, being casual with secure information. So apparently he's walking, you know, with the president or somebody else and he has like a a little folder, a portfolio in his arm. And on the outside of it is a yellow post-it note. That says Jim Mad Dog Mattis and then has a cell phone number.
0: It had it like with the nickname. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. That's, that actually is the best part of the story. Yeah. So um, there's a post reporter who noticed that in the photo that had run with a story, you could see a little bit of, you know, someone, I think someone had yeah. called or contacted the reporter and said, if I zoom in on this image, I can make out that phone number. And so the post reporter checks and verifies that, indeed, you can make out the phone number, calls it,
0: and gets Jim Mattis' voicemail. Good heavens. Now, this this reminds me of, uh, there was a little mini blow up on social media, media the other day when there was an image of Steve Bannon arm mm-hmm. in arm with somebody in front and of the whiteboard. In front of his whiteboard listing, like, all the, of his. All of the evil policy priorities. <laughs> some, some policy priorities that were terrible, others more innocuous, but, mm-hmm. um, but, the amazing lack of operational security, just in the in the layman sense of just right. keeping private stuff that's supposed to be private, and being mindful when well, somebody's taking a picture. Wait, wait, Bobby. I mean, how about the picture from Mar-a-Lago of the guy with the guy right? with the football? No, it just goes on and on. And and so the point is, if if but, somebody but, but
1: don't vote for Hillary, she was careless with her emails. The
0: emails.
1: Anyway, but her emails, as I said before, don't look to me for defenses of no, no, no. the email. But, but, critique. but, I, but Bobby, but let, me, let me put this question to you directly, if I, I may. find
0: someone else to join this podcast. Seriously, for that.
1: um, well, listen, if people really want to hear us disagree, we'll actually start talking about social policy, um, <laughs> as opposed to national security <laughs> yeah, policy. I
0: don't know, but that may may more economic policy. There, I'm we not go. so sure about right. social policy. Ask Goldwater, conservative, view. all right. Um,
1: so passionate so, conservative. Com- okay, fine. George W. Bush, conservative.
0: Um, I'll take that. So,
1: so. Can I just, if I were to make the following claim, can I ask for a yes no answer? Um, based on what we know so far, the Trump White House is the least OPSEC savvy, least sensitive to protecting classified information, <laughs> least secure operation that we have ever seen. Obviously. Okay.
0: Obviously. All right. All right. That's not even funded. You know, there's no room for debate there. All, All right. right. So, anyway. Bobby, I want to cry. You want to cry and you've come to the right place for it because so much of the world is learning the phrase, want to cry. And apparently
1: we have a 22-year-old to, to thank for saving us from even worse. Well,
0: yeah, that's a temporary respite. Um, so the want to cry story, this is ransomware uh, run riot, if you so, will. So can
1: you just, I mean, for those of us who are not cyber savvy as you are,
0: what is ransomware? So the idea Besides, is. Besides, you know, clothes you wear to a kidnapping. <laughs> oh, nice. I hadn't thought of that. Ransomware. So that is a good Halloween idea. Go go <laughs> next year. Somewhere. I'm not quite sure how you operationalize that, but there's got to be a way you can pull that off. That's
1: like in the middle of the financial crisis. My best friend from college um, put a, a mortgage on the back of his shirt um, and, a secu- and got a security shirt that says security on the front.
0: Put a mortgage on the back. He was a mortgage-backed security. Oh, nice. Okay. Right.
1: Yeah, but it was a little too soon.
0: That, we will definitely have a whole episode devoted to clever Halloween, uh, national security themed Halloween uh, got closer. publicly appropriate uh, <laughs> costumes. Or not. All right. So in this case, uh, the, the headlines have been filled since uh, since Friday with news of a rapidly, globally propagating bit of malware uh, known as WannaCrypt or WannaCry. What this is is... A, it, At a certain level, it's just another piece of ransomware that's out there. That is, it's malware that, if it gets into your system, will encrypt everything you can get its hands on, all your files, et cetera. And then you'll get a pop-up screen that explains that for, I think, $300 in Bitcoin delivered to this certain Bitcoin wallet. uh, If you do that, then everything will be decrypted. You'll see your data again. You have to do it within a certain number of days. And if you don't, that's fine, but it's all gone. After a certain number of days, it'll all be just gone Um, the this problem this type of malware has been out there for a long time there are a million variants of it what matters is how it exploits uh, vulnerabilities to get into your system and how it propagates itself and the catch here that's caused so much sizzle is that the particular vulnerability in various windows operating systems that it's exploiting uh, it's a vulnerability that someone got and took advantage of because Shadowbrokers, <coughs> the Russians, <laughs> dumped it publicly after they somehow got it. Them out again, of NSA, right? So this is fallout from the Shadowbrokers. This is like story. this
1: is all a circle. It is. It's a it se- is all a circle. We was saying in
0: law school. the law is a seamless web. But so is the, the this podcast. So um, the wait, wait, shadow- wait till we get to you know Zaza Pachulia. Oh my gosh. All right. I can't wait to talk about that. Let's let's skim through this so we can get sure. to the important stuff in the Spurs. Um the the ransomware story is is at one level a story of a vast number of people around the globe getting screwed. people individuals, uh, businesses, entities of all kinds finding their stuff is is encrypted and they're stuck with this problem that so many other people have had, but now it's happening. An, under a, a single malware heading that's getting so much attention. Um, when the story first broke, the National Health Service in the UK was finding that they were having to shut down medical services across a whole bunch of their hospitals because the uh, the systems that they depended on to, to run their operations were, were frozen up by this. So, The reason it's worth us talking about Steve, I think, is in part because Brad Smith, president and chief legal officer at Microsoft, uh, and who obviously has been under the microscope here, took the occasion uh, yesterday to, to put up a post where he really tried to pass the buck over to the NSA saying, look, this is why... The stockpiling of vulnerabilities by governments, which is what espionage agencies do and what entities like Cyber Command might do. And what the shadow brokers hack apparently exposed. Yeah, and the shadow brokers themselves, people who do this sort of thing, right. um, you know, exposed it, right? They exposed these particular tools. The idea that governments stockpile and try to you know, spend millions of dollars to try to identify vulnerabilities and to have them. And, and without immediately then turning around and disclosing them, this is what Brad Smith was taking aim at, right? And so he said, "This is this is further evidence that stockpiling vulnerabilities is a problem." Now let's put this in context. Um, Microsoft, and this is the single most important thing to understand about a WannaCry, if you have an if you were using a operating system from win, like Windows 10 or anything that Microsoft currently supports, as long as you're not on an old system like XP, uh, if you're using any kind of currently supported system that gets patched regularly, um, good news, you're not going to have a WannaCry problem, at least on the current version of, of WannaCry, because this vulnerability was patched in March. Why was it patched? We talked about this on prior episodes. Right. Uh, Shadowbrokers had, had, you know, Before they dumped it, it became clear enough to NSA that they'd had a security breach. So they clearly informed uh, Microsoft. They missed the February patch window and instead came out in March, patched all the systems that were taking updates.
1: But there's a moral of the story here, right? Which is listeners, update your stuff.
0: Right. And so this highlights the real interesting question. So who is it that's suffering right right now? There's three categories. First of all, Everyone who has pirated software. Correct. Right? If your operating system is a pirated copy of Windows 10, well, You're and, not and, getting the and are, updates. there are, you look at the map of where this is hitting hard and you can see visually a map of where pirated software is especially prevalent. Yep. Um, secondly, people who, for whatever reason, perhaps, uh, you know, sheer lack of awareness that it matters, perhaps uh, sheer laziness, perhaps uh, not wanting to spend the money, people who are still running the old, out-of-date, no longer supported operating systems. But now, Bobby, those folks, some of those folks could be doing that because their hardware doesn't support, right? That, that, that's to say there, there could right. be – anti- And they don't want to make the capital investment right. to, to replace that. So there's both a software problem and a hardware problem yeah. to, a, to a point. Right? It's, it's an economic problem. That's right. right? That's it's right. an economic problem. Now, uh, I want to give uh, a shout-out to Microsoft. Even though they don't support this stuff anymore, at least, at least as a free matter, I'm not so sure if that's true about – paying customers. I think it's possible. I don't know, but it's possible that if you pay, you can still get XP support and patches to some degree. Um, but in recognition of what a big deal WannaCry is, they put out a free update right. out of cycle, if you will, and and certainly when they don't normally patch at all. Now, there, there's a third category, Steve, though, and this is the one that I think is really sensitive, and this is where a lot of <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, hey, this is kind of your own fault. You're on a current system, and for whatever reason, uh, you don't accept the patches that Microsoft puts out. So this patch went out in March. There are many entities that are on currently supported systems that didn't patch. At first blush, it's tempting to say, shame on them. It's their own fault, even though that has externalities with third parties. But the thing is... Uh, as, as Paul Rosenzweig pointed out to me earlier when I was uh, communicating with him about this, there are a lot of entities that have really complex IT systems for whom it's not so simple as just immediately patching. It's long been known right. in in the patching game that there are questions about whether the fix for some vulnerability might have an unintended consequence for your particular system. And as, I, as I understand, that's
1: especially true for enterprise servers, right, where you're pushing out an image onto all kinds of different individual units.
0: And and there's always this possibility that you're going to break something right. unintended. I'm
1: Exhausted the limits of my knowledge of computer science. That was a good one,
0: software. so what you have are, are a spectrum of entities that could have patched but didn't. Some of whom it's very understandable, right. and others not nearly I, so. Either much way, so. though, big problem. Indeed, and so we've not heard the last of this. Microsoft is leveraging this to try to you know build their case against NSA, and in the, in the same motion and for the same reason, right. positioning themselves like Apple as the champions for you know. Individual so so privacy. I'm glad
1: you brought up Apple, right? Because I saw a quick headline somewhere, and I did not have time to click on the link. It's been a little bit of a busy day, Um, right? At some point, we're going to talk about my Supreme Court case where the government filed their brief in opposition to certiorari today. Been a little busy with that. Um, I saw a headline somewhere, Bobby, that, like, someone was saying that this proves why the government shouldn't be able to get into the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone, um,
0: I'm not following. Is how that a non sequitur Yeah. Well, because I mean, it's I guess, a complete non sequitur I guess.
1: I guess. The, so I guess the argument is not so much about the All-Writs Act, right, and devising a vulnerability, but rather about backdoors, right? And that if you're gonna, if you were gonna hardwire backdoors into the system, these kinds of episodes prove the danger of even having the, oh. you know, the the backdoor locked in a safe somewhere at NSA. What,
0: what it proves is, as I say, too much, right? right. The idea that so this breach. Happened, therefore, there could never be anything kept secret. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff. No, of course. Secret. I
1: think the point is just that that there is. How about let me put the point maybe a little more conservatively. Um, you will, the government will never be able to guarantee to the satisfaction of a company like Apple that that <laughs> unique capabilities that the government possesses for backdoors or any similar technology are not
0: vulnerable to, to, to hacking and theft. There's no question they'll never prove it to, uh, to Apple's satisfaction. <laughs> that's, that's not enough. Oh, or, well, so then, then that, what about
1: to Congress's satisfaction, right? I mean, that's at some point, it seems, yeah. you know, dear Congress,
0: by the way, con- where are you? Yeah, Well, you know, do we think that Congress is deciding this one on the merits? Or even going to engage on this until it's clear oh, where I, the I political is. are I, I just are mean in general. Are, like, right. period,
1: like where is, what is Congress up to right now? Uh, I, I think they're on recess. Their eyeballs.
0: But, well, well said, sir. All right, so let's pivot over. Uh, travel ban. Travel ban. We had an oral argument in the Ninth <laughs> Circuit. So last time we had oral argument in the, what was it, the Fourth <laughs> Circuit? Last week. So, okay. So, Did so, it go any better for the government this time? So literally, Bobby, literally
1: nine hours ago— why, gosh, it has been a long nine hours. Um, nine hours ago was the oral argument in the Ninth Circuit in the travel ban 2.0 case. This was the
0: appeal of the Hawaii injunction. And if I recall correctly, you predicted in our last episode that given the draw, this was almost certainly not going to go well for the government. So I think it went a little bit more than I expected.
1: Um, right. I think um, the panel is was very good. Um, right. The panel was uh, Judges Gould. Uh, Hawkins and Paez, right? Three Clinton appointees, but right. actually two pretty moderates.
0: And you said Gould and Hawkins were likely to be you know at least somewhat more receptive.
1: Um to the government's position. Yes. Yes. You no, know, I mean I think there's no there's no way that the government has paez. Hawkins and Gould right. are interesting. I think, you know, the argument, I thought Jeff Wall, once again, was fantastic, the acting solicitor general. Um, I thought my old friend, Neil Katyal, arguing on behalf of the state of Hawaii was also fantastic. I mean, this was, Bobby, the epitome of a really good oral argument between two really good advocates. Oh, yeah. I feel
0: like if I was Neil, I would have felt like I needed some in-person meetings with my clients.
1: In Hawaii. Yes. I'm sure that happened. (laughs) Um, but, But all this is just to say, I mean, my gut reaction after listening to the argument was that. Hawaii will probably win. That is to say, the injunction will probably be affirmed, but maybe with modifications. I mean, right, an appellate court has the power to modify an injunction and not just to affirm or reverse it. Um, It might get narrowed a little bit by the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals might rest on some of the state's statutory arguments to avoid some of the messier constitutional questions. But, Bobby, I continue to think that we're looking at two circuits affirming at least large parts of these nationwide injunctions against the travel ban At that point, the question becomes, if you're the Supreme Court and you've got no conflict below— Right. Do you step in anyway? Yeah, only if
0: you really feel like it's uh, wrong, right? Well, I mean, normally you don't, but in this case, with the high stakes, I mean, but, it's but a constitutional. You, co-
1: it's it, a. It's lower courts invalidating on constitutional terms a major executive order of the sitting president. I, you know, yeah, that, I, I that's can see why the I argument. think it,
0: that's why I don't think you need this. The split, yeah, but I also think you need to have. It's not enough to have just four people who want to take it. You have to have four people who think they can get a fifth. I think that's clearly, clearly right. Um, and with that in mind, I mean, I, which I, may well be the case.
1: <laughs> Maybe I mean I, you know who knows where Kennedy is on this? Who knows where Justice Thomas, right? Who actually is an
0: establishment clause, you know, sort of um, idiosyncratic justice? Mr. Justice Thomas, Mr. Justice Kennedy, if you're listening, tweet at us. Let us know what you have in mind. <laughs> Hey, uh, Kagan and Breyer on Twitter apparently. Oh, I love it. Well, wait now back to these two circuit. Of, the, yeah. the one the one court. Uh, So, you get the Fourth Circuit and the Ninth Circuit. Yep. Um, Do you detect any likely disparity in their reasoning between uh, how they might go? Well, I mean, so keep in mind, right, the Fourth Circuit, you've got 13 judges sitting on bonk. So, it's harder to
1: predict what line of reasoning is going to draw a majority. It strikes me, Bobby, as quite likely that the Fourth Circuit is going to go bigger than the Ninth Circuit Um, and by design, right? That the Ninth Circuit is sort of, I mean, one of the things that really struck me about the oral argument today is that at multiple points, the judges on the Ninth Circuit were asking the lawyers questions about the Fourth Circuit oral argument. Wow! I cannot remember in it's my kind of experience. Recursive. That's interesting. Well, so I mean, what what does that mean? It means that the Ninth Circuit judges listened oh, yeah. oh, to yeah. the Fourth Circuit oh, argument. Yeah. I can't remember in my lifetime a case like this where circuit judges would have listened to the oral argument the previous week in a different yeah. circuit. To prepare for their case.
0: It's actually – I think that on the whole is a, a very nice development.
1: Oh, so do I. I mean, listen, there's a larger story here about transparency. I mean, the Ninth Circuit live video cast yeah. the argument, and I thought that was – That's pretty cool. Excellent. Dear Supreme Court, wake up. Join the 20th century. <laughs> um, but, but what this says to me, Bobby, is they – all of the judges – are very well aware of what's going on.
0: Oh yeah. Now, how could they not be?
1: And yeah. and well, you know, we both know plenty of federal judges who would be very surprised to learn what's in the newspaper on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> None that I worked for, <laughs> nor I, you know, um, outside the statute of limitations. Um, but well, I'm just saying. But but Bobby, so it strikes me that they're both well aware of 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 the. Appearance of how they're going to rule, of how it's going yeah. to be perceived in the media, how it's going to be ratified yeah. in the White House. And they want full information. They want full information. And so I suspect that the Ninth Circuit is going to go narrow and the Fourth Circuit is going to go big.
0: Yeah. And, and then the question is, what, is what, what do the justices do? Right. Oh, man. Talk about a battle royal living um, on the horizon. Now, real quick, you, you mentioned that you had a uh, some developments in the case you're working on.
1: Oh, gosh. So so uh, when we really have nothing better to talk about, one week we'll talk about my little cert petition, which is this little case called Dalmazi versus the United States. Um, and it's about the dual service of military judges on both the courts of criminal appeals in the court-martial system and the court of military commission review in the military commission system and why that raises serious statutory and constitutional problems. It's really not that exciting. I think it's super cool mostly because it has nothing to do with Trump. Um, so it's a good distraction from the insanity of the daily, the daily grind.
0: Now, you're going to teach a military law course in the fall?
1: Yep. I'm teaching a seminar called Military Justice and Jurisdiction. Um, Maybe or maybe not because on the, like, 1% chance that the court grants cert, that'll give me, like, 10 <laughs> research assistants to help me. But, you know, we'll find it. I mean, it's an interesting – I think it's an interesting issue. We'll find a good time to talk about it. But anyway, so the government filed its opposition to certiorari today. Um, thank you, Solicitor General. <laughs> um, so we are now hard at work on,
0: on our reply. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, you know, I – I must say, I pity you. I haven't done stuff like that in a long time. I'm very no, it's, happy it's, to say that it's
1: actually a lot of fun. I mean, getting to sort of really tear apart this this very specific statutory and constitutional bucket of yeah. questions. Um, I miss it.
0: That's cool. Well, good luck.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. And and dear students, no, I will I will grade before we file our reply.
0: Now, speaking of people who need luck, maybe we should talk about the Spurs. Uh, the uh, Spurs Warriors business.
1: Well, so first there are my Spurs, right? Who, thanks <laughs> to a really disappointing loss that wasn't expected, um, had Chelsea sneak ahead of them and and win the Premier League.
0: Oh, sorry, that, that'd be the Tottenham Hotspurs.
1: Tottenham Hotspurs. Tottenham. But, but you know. Come on, you Spurs. It was still a great season. Go, Spurs, go. You, know, right.
0: you know my rule about this. If, if you root if for one Spurs, Spurs, you
1: root for them all. So I'm on board with Spurs. So, me. you know, Karen would tell you, Bobby, that I was rooting for the Spurs by the end of the game yesterday. Where are you? I was. Oh, so- Karen, you're the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, Karen, why? She's not listening. You do need to explain the... There's you know, a little bit of the underdog. You know, yeah. I, I really can't stand Draymond Green. Like, yeah. I actually, I like Steph Curry. I like Clay yep. Thompson. I like KD, Steve Kerr. I like yeah. Kevin Durant. Draymond Green, in that series, there is no player who bothers me more than Draymond I would, Green.
0: I would think not, because he's the most bothersome player on the Warriors, and there is no one bothersome on the Spurs, although I recognize there are some people out there who inexplicably— people Who doesn't like Lamarcus yeah, Aldridge? All, right, all right, Big, gentle, giant. Now, I recognize some people don't like Manny Ginobili. I think that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I got to say, even you know, especially since it didn't go well with the Warriors in games one, Game 1, so let's go back to the, the end of the Rocket series. <laughs> the block— <laughs> Okay, wait, 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 wait. wait. Let, let me just point out that Bobby, instead
1: of talking about what actually happened yesterday, Bobby wants to relive the last round. You, can you blame me? It's it was sign. the most
0: wonderful, right, so, wonderful game. So six Bobby, finishing um, off the Rockets. So
1: what Zaza Petrulia did, right, running out on Kawhi, sticking his feet out under him when he landed, is actually against the rules. It should have yeah. been called a foul, and That's it wasn't right. in live right.
0: action. You can't. A player cannot get under a, a jump shot. You cannot right. enter the landing space of the shooter. Okay, was it dirty? Uh, it didn't look dirty to me. I hate. I pop, hate pop, to pop, say. Pop, pop I know, boys. and I hate to and, say and I, and anything that <laughs> contradicts <laughs> Coach Pop. And so, I actually defer to him if he wants me to. And if he tweets at me about this, at Bobby Chesney, Coach, um, <laughs> if he tweets at me about this, I will retract yes, it. Yes, in the middle of fi- because I, do, out. I defer to the sensei. However, in, in uh, the middle
1: of figuring out how to play defense against the Warriors without Kawhi Leonard. Greg Popovich has listened to
0: our podcast. Exactly. You know, you never know. Uh, he was talking about national no, I, affairs. I know. Coach Pop is is a man of immense talents. Uh, but he he characterized it as, as a really inappropriate play. Um, it didn't look like, you know, his, so uh, the guy's face was looking the other way. Yeah. You could say, yeah, but he knows that he has stepped out into the space. It looked yeah, uh, too thin to to base. I mean, that. you
1: have to be pretty talented, right, yeah. to actually be able to pull that off. And and yeah. like, no, I mean, listen, I've played basketball most of my life, right? I have landed on people. It happens, that, and I've had people land on me, yeah. right? Um. Folks who haven't played basketball, like this, will happen whether you're trying to do it or not. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it just didn't. It wasn't obvious. It was tried. Now, so the interesting question is, you know, the Spurs had a had an incredible first half. I was so excited, as <laughs> you can imagine. The, the
1: Spurs before yesterday, Bobby, I'm sure you saw the statistic. were 316 and 0 in games
0: Greg Popovich coached where they had a 25 point lead. That's really extraordinary, and you got to hand it to the Warriors. Coming back like that showed some serious mental toughness. But, of course, it wasn't just an exercise in mental toughness. The Spurs were doing just fine until Kawhi Leonard went out, and then they were toast from so, that so, moment on. So, Bobby on. Kawhi— it really, it really shook them.
1: Kawhi's already been ruled out for Game 2. Yep. Um, I initially said Warriors in 5. You said Spurs in
0: 7. You care to revise your prediction? Well, I'm tempted to go Spurs in 6, but I think I'll stay— <laughs> And that's in honor of my friends. Uh, Sarah and Brian, happy anniversary, I think, today is your anniversary. Oh, uh, and
1: do we celebrate Sarah and Brian's anniversary with preposterously, you know, my... Uh, uh, you're right, you're right. I, can't, I can't do that. We'll
0: stay with Spurs in seven. Uh, Kawhi will be back before the series <laughs> is over. He'll reassert himself. And in the meantime... He'll land awkwardly the on his ankle again. The depth, the extraordinary depth of the Spurs will tell.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm skeptical, Bobby. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with Warriors in five. All right. And Bobby. that may even be a concession. So, listen, before we go... Um, <laughs> You know, we do want to have one piece of triviality. We couldn't come up with a really good example. So we decided that instead of triviality, we would just do trivia. Um, and this is a test to see how savvy and Twitter interested and still listening our listeners are. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to try something at the end of uh, our, our podcast, Bobby. We're going to ask random national security law trivia questions that aren't super easy to Google. I mean, we hope that folks will sort of yeah. use their honor to not just Google the answers anyway. Um, so here's our, our first question, fans. Um, you can answer this by tweeting at NSL Podcast. At some point, we'll probably give prizes for whoever tweets us first. But to be honest, Bobby, we don't have a prize this week. It's an honor. You'll get a shout-out. You'll get named. Ah, yes. The first person to tweet the correct <laughs> answer to us will get named on next week's episode. Or let me say the next episode because, Bobby, it could be tomorrow. <laughs> um, Hope not. So here's the question. And let me preface it by saying, ladies and gentlemen, it is a trick question. On what exact date... For legal purposes, did the American Civil War end? It's a mm, trick question, Bobby. Mm, the American Civil War. Do you have any idea what the answer is? Uh, I do, but I'm not saying it because that would ruin the fun. and we'd have to give Bobby Chesney a shout out. So <laughs> so here are the rules. If you think you know the answer, tweet at NSL Podcast. Um, we will read correct answers. We will certainly read the first person messages correctly. We reserve the right to read other interesting and or hilariously incorrect answers um, on the podcast. Yep. Have fun with it, listeners.
0: Sounds good. All right.
1: So, Bobby, I have no idea when we're going to record
0: again. You know, uh, it's kind of fun having the rapid turnaround, but it it does distract from our other obligations. Like so grading. we'll see. Great. Uh, I don't. I don't have that problem. Oh, <laughs> that is
1: a low blow. Well, how about this? Why don't we just say that? Certainly, no later than next Tuesday, May twenty third. We'll be back with you for episode nineteen. And until then, everybody, stay safe out there. Adios. Go Spurs.